Thank you. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's very exciting. I had a friend give me some advice. I'm like, just treat it like a TED talk. <laughs> uh, so I might throw in some buzzwords like prayer synergy this morning. Um, so thank you so much for having me. This is my first time up here. Very exciting. Um, as Brad said, my name is Bethany, and I've been going here for a little while, and uh, started co-leading the prayer team. And so it may not come as a surprise, my topic is prayer today. Um, the series is Why I Love Jesus. And of course, prayer is a really important part of my relationship with him. So I tried to sum it up as I love Jesus because he's given us prayer as a tool to connect with God. It gives us this chance to connect with his heart and just walk through every circumstance in life with his help. So I guess I've been going here, I think it was eight years. Um, so a lot of you know my story. You may have heard the story before. But um, growing up, I grew up in a very Christ-centered household. I was raised a Christian. And I think a good example of how my life was and being raised in that household before I was in the picture uh, is thinking about my mom walking down the aisle at her wedding. She did something a little unorthodox at the time. Instead of a bouquet, she carried a Bible down the aisle. It kind of seemed rebellious, but um, I always love hearing about that because, you know, it was such a symbol of walking down the aisle and carrying God's word before her. It was this important thing that she wanted to, like, have in front of her as she entered into this marriage relationship. And then as she stood at the front with my dad, her future husband, um, it was her, her future husband, and then the Holy Spirit was there for that, entering into that pact, that marriage pact or relationship. So my parents always prioritized their faith, and growing up, that was a really big part of how I was raised. I remember praying my first prayer when I was four years old, and it was like a basic sinner's prayer, just kind of inviting God to be in my life. And I remember picturing at the time because my question was, how do I get Jesus in my heart? So I prayed this prayer and invited Jesus into my heart. And I remember kind of picturing this room in my heart. And there was a little wooden door that swung open. And this little Jesus man in, like, white robes walks in. And he's got this brown luggage bag. So he's carrying this in. He walks into the very center of the room. And then he sets it down. And he kind of looks around. And he's like, all right, I'm home. And that was, that was what I imagined as a kid. And as cute and childish as that is, I think it was kind of a good picture of what was happening. It was in that moment that I invited the Holy Spirit into my life, and I didn't know all those churchy words like Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I knew that Jesus was now part of my life and in my heart. So growing up, prayer was a natural part of life. We would pray before e eating our food. We'd like bless our food, thank God for providing, and before bedtime, we always prayed for this supernatural hedge of protection around us as we slept. It was just a part of everyday life. So when I got older, middle school, high school, you know, prayer was also a part of just processing all of the emotions of life and navigating that time. So it was kind of natural. And I'm just so blessed that my parents were so involved and that I know a lot of people have had tough times with the church and they've gotten burned, but I was just really blessed to be able to have a pretty good time in the church and not really experience much of that. 
So the scripture passage I want to talk about today uh, is in Philippians. And there are a lot of good passages. It's very hard to pick because a lot of the Bible is about prayer. You've got Psalms where David's just sometimes venting or ranting to God and prayerfully writing out this poetry. And there's a tons of tons and tons of teachings I feel like in the New Testament as I was flipping through. You know, Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer. There's a lot of really great instructions. But I want to focus on two verses from the letters that Paul was writing to the early church. So the first scripture is in Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And Paul was just kind of giving them instructions on how to do church and how to live a holy life. So That scripture says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So essentially, Paul is saying that you can take anything to God with supplication and thanksgiving, and you can experience this remarkable peace. I had to look up the term supplication. I just couldn't define it on the spot. And the definition I found was that supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. To enter in with supplication means that you're adopting a low stance. It's a very humble posture to have. You aren't on equal footing with the person that you're talking to. You're actually kind of looking up at them. And you're not asking for a trade. You're not on equal grounds. It's a humble position, and, and I think for most people, to enter in with supplication and be humble, it just doesn't come naturally. So sometimes we leave out supplication when we approach prayer. Sometimes we come in and we treat it as a vehicle to get what we want. You can kind of do that and dehumanize God and treat him like a vending machine, thinking that you can trade one thing for the thing that you want, the outcome you'd like to have. And you'll notice when you approach prayer like that, a lot of times you don't experience this peace that we're seeing in this passage. It's helpful to remember that when you're entering into prayer, it's actually a relationship. God desires a deep connection with you, not just a shallow, like, hi-bye situation. So take a minute to think about your best friend, someone that you really enjoy having conversations with. They might be a mentor, someone that you have had some very enlightening conversations with. When you enter those conversations, you actually probably are not just walking in and trying to make a, tr a deal with them or make a trade. You're probably not approaching those conversations saying, hey, I just want this. You have a back and forth. You have a rapport. And you've probably gone to this person for advice and gotten some very good wisdom and guidance from having these conversations. Prayer can be a similar experience to that, that conversation with a good friend or a mentor. You can enter into prayer with something that's very heavy, like anxiety, bitterness, unforgiveness. And engaging in prayer can actually shift your perspective and facilitate breakthrough. What do I mean by that? When we're looking at Philippians 4, it's natural to think that the line that says, 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. It's natural to think that that peace is something that comes from asking God to change our circumstances. It makes sense. God's this big, powerful guy. We talk about him being omnipotent and omnipresent. It makes sense that we would think that we can approach him and that he'll just enact justice when we ask. But that's not the kind of peace we're talking about here. A peace that's based on your outside circumstances, having all your ducks in a row, or having things feel the way that you want them to feel, that peace makes sense. It makes sense that you would, if you're doing well in life, you are good financially and have healthy relationships, that you can sit back in that and rest in that. But the peace we're talking about here is a peace that surpasses understanding. It goes beyond having things in order, having your ducks in a row. It's actually something that when someone's looking in from the outside, they don't really understand. It doesn't make sense. I was thinking about, in my life, times that I've approached God and uh, had him completely blow my mind and change my perspective. So one of my favorite examples is when I was an undergrad. I had a really awesome roommate. Love her to death. We're like BFFs. We still are. But, um, you know, when you live with someone, sometimes you have conflict. Conflict is a natural part of any relationship. And um, we hashed it out sometimes. But there was one time that it was just like an explosive argument, and it seemed to come out of nowhere. And, of course, like we both kind of attacked each other. You know, when someone starts an argument with you, it's natural to just want to fight back. And... Um, that can be good. Conflict can be great and um, healthy. But in this situation, um, something just didn't feel right. So, and I got really mad. <laughs> I know um, some people have a hard time picturing me being mad because I'm usually pretty nice. But uh, I was so mad. I was like, I can't handle this anymore. I'm going outside. And I like slammed the door and went on a walk and uh, had a lot of <laughs> lot of emotions there and just immediately like started venting to God and I was like God she's being such a jerk this is not right and uh, it started like that kind of like I don't know almost like a psalm where David's is just like really upset I'd like to think but you know really it was just me venting and just being upset but in that like God kind of gives you a space for that and then as I talked to him more he started to kind of show me a couple things. First off, the reason that my friend was upset with me, she actually had a valid reason. I don't remember what it was. I've forgotten it now. <laughs> but she's going to bring it up after the sermon. But uh, no, it was, it was something um, that I needed to apologize for. And that's never your first instinct in an argument. I, at least it's not mine to apologize for what I did wrong. But God was kind of like, she's kind of right in this one point. And it's, it's not right the way that she attacked you. And I'm with you in that. I care about like where you are right now, but you can apologize. He kind of like <laughs> told me, like, like a really good friend. Um, so he showed me that I needed to like kind of surrender a little bit there. And then he also kind of connected the dots for me. See, my friend had had a conversation with a family member earlier that day, and it was really heated, and it was really, just had left her with a lot of emotions. 
So in a way, she was kind of having an overflow of emotions in our argument. And I realized it as I was praying that maybe, maybe she didn't have quite as much energy around me as I felt, and maybe it was just a lot of feelings that she was dealing with, and maybe she just needed a hug. <laughs> so when I went back to the apartment, I, I entered in and um, apologized, and the minute that I did, the tone of the conversation changed like that. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure at that point, if it wasn't at that argument, it was another <laughs> one, but... There was, a, there was a moment where I was like, do you just need a hug? And she was like, yeah. And I just gave her a hug. And suddenly this like volatile dynamic where we were both just so angry with each other completely shifted. There was this relational breakthrough that happened. And it was only because I went to God and like took some time to kind of vent, calm down, and, and talk to him. And I've seen that happen quite a few times where he comes in and just changes my perspective. And he... He just allows me to have, like, breakthrough in my life. I was reading the first scripture, and I was thinking about, you know, maybe you read that, and you hear about this peace of God, and you've gone to God with anxieties, and you've tried to approach him with supplication and thanksgiving, like Philippians says, and you haven't felt that peace that surpasses understanding. I've definitely had times like that where I've gone into prayer and just didn't experience that peace. That's okay. <laughs> uh, God still wants to reach you. And I, I pulled another scripture from Paul's letters. It's Galatians 6.2. Because this was a lesson I learned about three years ago. And it's, it's very simple. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Prayer can actually be a team effort. You don't always have to go it alone. This is something uh, I only got, like I said, three years ago. Growing up, I was really happy to pray with other people to accept their burdens, and I was always very vulnerable only alone with God. So I was very focused on this up-down relationship of, like, me and God, and I would take my anxieties to him. It was awesome. But I kind of missed out on these horizontal relationships of, like, friends and family and, and letting them be a part of that relationship with God. I didn't really value it at the time. The best example I can think of, of how I was just kind of missing it was that three years ago I was in a codependent relationship, and there were some pretty clear unhealthy signs of manipulation and verbal abuse in that place. Both of us really valued our faith, and I thought, you know, if we just focus on God enough, we can get through anything. I took a lot of time in prayer. And in those times, I didn't always experience peace. I didn't often, because something was very wrong in my life. And when I went to pray, I was actually putting up a wall in that place. I wasn't being honest with God. And when I talked to friends and family, I was definitely putting up a wall there. I started to actually systematically cut myself off from family and friends because I didn't want to deal with the things that were going on and I just kind of thought everything will be fine. <laughs> you might know someone who's in a codependent relationship, you might have been in a codependent relationship, but one of the traits that kind of comes with it is isolation. And I experienced that. 
But God, in his amazing grace, he came and he cut through that during dinner one night with my sister when I was back in my hometown. It was for the first time in a long time, I was cornered. She had lured me away from my codependent boyfriend with a promise of unlimited soup salad and breadsticks. <laughs> it worked. And as we sat down to eat, we blessed our food as we so often had growing up. And in that prayer, she lifted me up to God. And she kind of spoke her heart. And she prayed with me about what was going on. And then after we prayed, she just looked me in the eyes and, and talked with me in such a loving way that I just hadn't let anyone do that before in that situation. And it was in that moment that I realized what a minefield I was in. It was also in that moment that I realized that these relationships, like with my sister, could be so helpful in helping me grow and have a relationship with God because I wasn't really relating to God well in that situation and she kind of helped me get back on track. It was amazing. And after that day, I started to seek out conversations with friends and family, real conversations, asking them, you know, what red flags have you seen in my relationship? And there were a lot. <laughs> so it's great. Uh, I had been so close to people before in being vulnerable. And guys, it's hard to be vulnerable. I think we can all kind of relate to that. But when you choose to be with your friends and family in the community that God's given you, it can be so rewarding. And there can be so much opportunity to grow. Before that time, I used to think that I just needed to focus on God more. I just needed to be a better Christian. And then I would experience that peace in Philippians 4-7. I just wasn't doing it right. But after that experience, it's become so apparent that this Christian walk, it's not meant to be done in a vacuum. It's hard to reach out, but it's so rewarding. I kind of describe this as God gave us this gift of community to walk through life together. And it's something I had completely missed. I'm just really glad that God like walked me through that. One theme I've noticed in my prayer time, and especially <laughs> this is relevant to my last story, is this concept of surrender. In the passage today, Paul wrote about approaching God with this combination of supplication and thanksgiving. When you approach with that attitude, humbleness is highlighted and God is actually put first. You come offering something, whether it's your anxieties or maybe you're coming to worship. Maybe you want to talk about your struggles. Whatever it is, you're coming, you're offering this thing, and you're surrendering control. Surrender was this thing that I was really avoiding at that time in my life. And as soon as the veil was lifted and I saw what was happening, God was then able to come in and take that relationship and put it in the right place in my life and help me to see what was really going on. He began restoring my heart. I was praying about the sermon and thinking, in talking about surrender, maybe you've come in this morning and when I said surrender, you thought of something. Ugh, I, I'm not surrendering this part of my life. There's this thing, this, this thing, this relationship. Maybe you're in a codependent relationship. Um, but, you know, God, he already knows about that thing that you're thinking about. And he's just waiting this morning for you to surrender it to him and let him put it in the right place. He's a good father. And you're never wrong to surrender anything to him because 
He makes order out of chaos and light out of darkness. Well, I kept this talk pretty short this morning because I actually wanted to go through one of my favorite prayer practices. Growing up, I thought about bringing them in. I have this huge stack of journals <laughs> that I've been writing since I was little where I would just, you know, sometimes i just journal. But a lot of times it turned into a dialogue with God, these kind of prayerful entries, sometimes poetry, but not the best poetry <laughs> ever. But I think God appreciated it because it was in that way that I was able to kind of hash out my relationship with him. I read about this uh, ethnographic study that someone did on a contemporary Christian church, and they said this. They said, in observing the congregation and how they interacted with prayer journals, they said, they used written language to capture their prayers, and they did so, I thought, as a means to make their inner prayer process more tangible and not of the self. They would write down their prayers either before or after they prayed them, sometimes praying through the act of writing. They would check back from time to time to see what prayers God had answered. It does involve the reader. It also externalizes and solidifies an inner subjective experience and blurs the boundary between what is within and without. I think a lot of times we go into prayer and we just kind of pray and then it's over and it can be really powerful to write that stuff down, write down those interactions that you've had with God and to look back years later and see, oh my gosh, he came through in that impossible situation that I went through. This year especially has been very hard for me. I've went through a lot of transitions and changes and um, even just going back like a month in my journal, it can be really cool to see how God was ministering to my heart in a certain situation. There's a lot of ways you can go about prayer journaling, um, but this morning I, I wanted to leave it a little open. So you can go ahead. I hand-stamped some journals. They're at the ends of aisles. So if the person on the end could grab the set and just kind of pass it around. And I have extras if I'm a little short. Actually, I didn't get to stamp all of them, but I did have a lot of fun crafting, working on them. So the extras are blank on the front. And if you didn't get one, go ahead and raise your hand. Lindsay, if you could come on up, that would be awesome. Thought we'd get some some keyboarding in the background, some music. Thank you so much. And are we good or do we need more journals in the back? I feel like we might be short back there. There's extras in the prayer alcove. I would grab it, but I <laughs> am tethered <laughs> to the stage. So yeah, those, yep. Thank you so much. Does anyone need a journal? Two more in the back. Now, if you don't want to use a journal, there is a blank space on your program, but I kind of wanted to like make sure everyone got one to take home and start journaling with, hopefully. So. so like I said, there's a lot of ways you can go about this. If something popped into your head when I was talking about surrender earlier, definitely write it down. I think that's something that God brought to your mind this morning that he probably wants to hash out with you. But if something didn't pop in your head or you just don't want to share that right now, you can also just write down 
whatever is causing you anxiety this morning, what's stressing you out, what are the struggles you're going through? It could be a lot of different things. I'm going to go ahead and pray and invite the Holy Spirit to meet with us this morning. And for the next five minutes or so, you can just feel free to dialogue with God in that journal. And just close your eyes and kind of talk to him and listen to him and write down what jumps out at you. Or you can literally just write out your prayer too, however you want to go about it. That notebook is for your use. It's for you to just explore prayer journaling and, and go for it. So I'm going to pray, and it's, it's a prayer very similar to what we pray before the service. As a prayer team, we get together and we lift up the church, we lift up the people here, and then we kind of just ask God, is there anything that you have you want to share with us today? And sometimes really cool things happen, like you think of a verse or something kind of pops into your head. That's awesome. But sometimes those things don't happen, and sometimes it's just talking to God. So just explore whatever, however you'd like to this morning, this prayer. So I'll just open and then we'll take a couple minutes. Father, thank you so much for this day, this Sunday. I'm just so glad that we get to spend time with you here this morning. Holy Spirit, please come. We need you so much in this life. I couldn't get very far without you. In my own life, you've just, you've been amazing. And I'm so thankful. And I'm so in need of you. We just need you this morning. Holy Spirit, please come and just break through whatever walls we've put up. Seems like we always do, and there's always something that you can change in our hearts. There's some way that you can chip away and get to the true beauty that you've wanted all along. And you're so patient with us, God. Thank you for being so patient. We just need you so much. Thank you for caring about those things that we've written down. Thank you that your heart is in it, that you are just, you're here with us, in it. That you're not a God far away, but you're a God very near. We just need you this morning. Please speak to us, God. Please move in this situation. These anxieties, these things that we need to surrender. We need you involved in that. Thank you so much, God. You're amazing. In Jesus' name we pray. keep going. We'll just sit on that for like another two minutes and just feel free to write whatever you want.
So I hope that this was helpful. Um, and maybe you felt like you had a hard time connecting with God. Um, I would encourage you, if this was something that like you really enjoyed talking with God and writing it down, um, do keep doing it. Even if you don't, maybe give it another shot at home when you're alone in a quiet place. I found that everyone kind of has a different way of connecting with God sometimes. I was talking with Chris before the service, and uh, she said, you know, for her, prayer a lot of times needed to involve some walking, some physical motion, just like going back and forth. She had trouble sitting still. And that's not a problem. Like, God wants to connect with you whatever way that you think would work best this morning. So try some different things. Maybe go on a prayer walk, like, around your neighborhood. Um, but do try. Do try and connect with God because it's those moments in prayer in my life that I've been so strongly transformed. And it's also those moments in praying with other people and engaging with other people. So um, the prayer alcove will be available during worship. And we have some volunteers there if you want to try out prayer with another person or even just talk. Um, that's always available there every Sunday. I know we always mention it, but, um, and I think I will, I will head back there too. So feel free to come back there if you are down something and you're like, I don't know, like if this was really God or like what's going on here, like we'd love to share in that, exploring that with you. So thank you so much. We actually have a child dedication today. So I'm going to invite Melissa up, I believe. Thanks so much, Bethany. Could we just give her another really big, round, hearty round of applause? For those of you who don't know me, my name is Melissa Men, and I'm the Director of Children and Families Ministries uh, here at Mosaic Church. It's so good to see everyone. Good morning. So last week, I had the honor of giving a talk on belonging. And in my talk, I preached on how we all belong to Jesus, and we all belong to each other through radical acceptance, love, and inclusion. Today, we're dedicating a sweet young child, and in doing so, we're proclaiming that Elias belongs to us, and he belongs to Jesus. So how do young children like Elias experience belonging? According to early childhood development experts, belonging for children means that they're securely attached to their parents, who not only keep them physically alive, but help them feel loved and safe in this big and scary world. And when I see Elias with his parents, I see that he is definitely lovingly and securely attached to his parents. When he holds on to his mama, and then let's go briefly in order to explore his environment, he's telling himself and he's telling Charity, I think I can do this. I feel brave enough to explore my environment. And when I see him holding on to his father, Andrew, and he's grinning at the adults who are greeting him, and I see him smiling with his big first teeth showing through, I, he is communicating, I feel safe because I'm safely and securely attached to my father. So kids have this funny habit of getting bigger and growing up 
That's what happens. It's inevitable. And Elias is growing up right before our very own eyes. And he's going to need us, his faith community, to offer him belonging as he grows up within Mosaic. So what does it look like to offer Elias and all the other children here at Mosaic belonging? First, it means to see Elias and all those other children here the way Jesus sees them. We find in scripture that Jesus loved children. He welcomed them into his presence when others were not welcoming to them. In scripture, we also find that Jesus said, in order to inherit the kingdom of heaven, we ourselves had to become like children. Jesus made it abundantly clear. The lives of children mattered to him, and he cherished them. Second, it means that we have to extend that belonging to his parents. We have to help them along the way. I can tell you from my own parenting experience that parents need a village to raise their children. They need the practical, spiritual, and emotional support of a community of folks who will love, cherish, and teach their children. Charity and Andrew need us to love Elias as if he were our very own child. Finally, it means becoming a community that Elias can truly be proud to belong to. Last week, I spoke about Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream of the beloved community and how I believe our church is working towards becoming that beloved community. Our work towards integration, reconciliation, and justice isn't always perfect, nor is it complete, but that work is being done. Andrew and Charity share in this work with us. They have a big heart for social justice, and they advocate for the marginalized in our neighborhood and in the world. And I know that they're raising Elias to embrace social justice like they do. So let's all continue to work together to become the beloved community where our love for social justice meets and is grounded in our love for Jesus. So at this time, I'd like to invite Charity and Andrew and their family representatives up to the stage. And then one parent's gonna introduce everyone in the party, including Elias, and share with us why they are dedicating their child. Elias is super excited to be up here. Will you do the share? Good morning. This is Elias, um, I'm his mom, Charity, and this is dad, Andrew, to my left. Um, and we have with us today my sister, Melody, and our friends and small group leaders, um, Amanda and Matt. And Drew's gonna share a little bit about why we're dedicating Elias. So if nothing else, waking up at three o'clock in the morning will remind you that you are not in control, <laughs> um, especially when it's a child screaming at you. Um, and I think, you know, it's become really clear to us what an incredible blessing Elias is and how um, far beyond what we could expect he was a blessing to us um, when he came here, but also how much we can't play every role, um, how much there are things that, um, you know, every single day um, for him to be safe, for him to be able to make it through, there are things that we can't control that he needs to work. And so we need God to be in those places. Um, and we need more than just ourselves, more than just the roles that we can play for him. There are questions that he may not want to ask us, 
um, there are things that we can't show him about what it is to be um, a person in this world. Um, we're just two people, but you all are um, a diversity of people that he needs to know. Um, and especially, you know, as he grows, things are not going to go according to plan. Um, really terrible things happen in the world. Um, he will experience doubt. He will do things where he falls short of his own expectations for himself. Um, and he needs to be in a community where people can bring their faith to those experiences. Um, and that's something that we've experienced here. Um, and that's something that we really um, hope to get your support in sharing with him. What happens? What do we do? How do we make it through when it doesn't make sense and when faith is really hard? That was really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Um, Charity and Andrew, as you dedicate your child today, please recite the following pledges, which are all based in scripture. These are the promises that you are making to God regarding Elias in front of your faith community. As I shared earlier, raising a child in faith cannot be the sole responsibility of the parents. Elias is our child too. He belongs to us. And we must all take on the responsibility to help raise him. So to that end, would you all stand at this time and join me in pledging out loud our promises to Elias, to his family, and to God. So you can read along with what's projected or what's written on the back of your photo card, which everyone should have inside their bulletins. Here we go. We will love you as God has loved us. We will encourage you to love others and do good deeds in the name of Christ. We will rejoice with you in times of rejoicing. We will help you through difficult times and carry your burdens. We will pray for you throughout your life. You are a blessing from the Lord. Thanks, everyone. You can take your seat at this time. Now we're going to take some time to pray for. Yes, we can clap. Go ahead. We can clap. So we're going to take some time to pray for Elias. The prayer team has been praying for Elias and his family uh, throughout the week. And I'd like to invite representatives from the prayer team to share what they've been praying about and to actually pray for Elias and his family. So Chris and I spent some time uh, praying for Elias and for you guys as a family this week. Um, the things that came to mind, um, I just felt led to look up what Elias means, the meaning of the name, and I don't know if you guys looked into that or not, but what I found was um, Yahweh is God. And so what came to mind, I was just thinking about that and praying about that, was the story of Moses and when God reveals that name to him, um, Yahweh and just praying that um, Elias would be one who has intimacy with God and who um, 
ask the question like Moses, what is your name? And, and just the blessing of having that revealed to him, the name of God and what God is like in his character. <laughs> um, the other thing I was that I felt led to pray for was a blessing over his voice and a sense that like his voice and his, the song of his life will be heard in the crowd of many people. Um, And the last thing, I had an image of like a Am I back? Okay. (laughs) Um, People wait, you know, to see the blooming of that tree and a sense of God's anticipation and excitement to watch him bloom and grow and also how his life will be something that's beautiful and represents the goodness of God and draws people um, to him and to God. So, Well, it was interesting because last Sunday, um, I noticed him running down the, the aisle here, mom in hot pursuit. And I was, I was just very impressed. Um, we have a lot of little kids that run around here, but I was just very impressed seeing him um, and the Lord just sort of gave me this picture. I didn't know we were going to be doing this. And then when I got the email from Emily, I was like, oh, I'm going to really pray into that. So I, the, the words that came to me were joy, strength, and courage. And I thought of Psalm 1. Um, and so I was just really led to pray for him from Psalm 1 that he would be um, courageous and strong and that he would bring joy to all of us. Okay, so we'll just come together and pray a blessing over Elias and over you guys. Um, Father, thank you um, that we are all a part of your family and that um, you connect us to each other and you bless us with little ones like Elias and you give us the joy of watching you as you um, grow him and grow in him and through him and we pray a blessing over him in your name Jesus to be all that you have made him to be and we pray a blessing over Charity and Andrew as well as they parent and um, the image I had when I was praying for you guys this morning was of Jesus as the good shepherd and that he um, is training you to be shepherds as well and he gives his staff to you and says, hey, here, this is how we do it. Let's do it together. So we pray a blessing of that partnership and parenting, and thank you for your leadership and your guidance over us, God. Um, Yeah, it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, Chris. Um, So we're so blessed to be your witnesses and partners as you dedicate Elias to God today. We want to give Elias a special gift from our church, a children's Bible and a letter from me to be read by Elias on his 13th birthday. Let me just grab that quickly. Great, everyone. That concludes our dedication. Um, If you're serving on the worship team, please come on up at this time. And can we just give them another round of applause? All right, so now we're going to close our service with a time of singing worship to, uh, to God. So let's start by standing.